Lo, it is the weekly Locked On Big 12 roundtable. Exciting stuff tonight. We have got some realignment, ratings, television type stuff to talk about. Uh, opening at Nebraska that could be filled by a Big 12 coach. And also a lot of big Big 12 contests coming up this weekend. And also teams joining the Big 12 as well for you, Jake. Uh, that's all coming up on the show tonight. But first, as always... You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Josh Neighbors of the Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Below me, it is Jake Hatch of Locked On Cougars. To his right, making his first appearance ever on the Locked On Big 12 Podcast, it is Derek Johnson. Above him, it is Chris Level making his debut on the Big 12 Round Table. He is a Locked On Red Raiders and also Derek is locked on Jayhawks. So guys, uh, first I'm going to talk about, it's, it's the game that, that Jake had this weekend and it applies to all of us. One big concept we've been dealing with here is the idea of big 12 after dark, because the one advantage the pac 12 has had really is the pac 12 after dark. Well, the big 12 has put one game in that window and it absolutely killed it. 2.4 million viewers was the, was the number that we saw today, Jake. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Big 12, we might not all love it. It might keep us up to 2 a.m. if we were in the East Coast time like I was. But the Big 12, man, I mean, they they had a grand slam in the late window with BYU against Baylor. They did, and it was a phenomenal game, obviously. I was there covering it for my radio station, obviously the podcast as well. And fans were into it. Uh, it seemed like the nation was into it. I was getting messages from people on the East Coast in the Central Time Zone saying, this is awesome. So, yeah, it was it was a nice showcase game, especially for BYU to show the prowess that the Cougars have as they get ready to enter the Big Twelve next year. Chris, you know you you cover the team with the radio, and and what do you feel like is the appetite from the fans, from the teams, maybe to play later games? Let's just say it's a nine o'clock start in Lubbock, right? You know, it makes it ten o'clock Eastern time. I mean, until they have more teams out west, like that could be the case, but they could keep hitting home runs like they have if they were to do this. Yeah, there was, uh, I don't know, about 15 years ago, the Aggies rolled into Lubbock and it was a 9 p.m. kick on a Saturday night and it was a circus. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, I do. I understand the inventory, okay? I, I know that there's an appetite for it. The TV networks have got to fill those slots. Uh, I'm fascinated to see kind of if the Pac-12 does break apart and the Big 12 scoops up some of these programs and allows some extra inventory out there on the on the west coast and everything like that but bottom line is that was a really good game okay that was a really good game it was a rematch from the year before and and i think that that was an somewhat of an anticipated game i don't think you guarantee yourself you know ratings just because it's any game that late but there is an appetite for it uh, especially the folks uh, that like to wager and all those kinds of things because it's it's the get back game, right? It, it didn't go well the rest of the day. I got to get it all back on the insert conference after dark here. And then uh, Derek, for you, I mean, Kansas is used to playing really any time slot anywhere, right? I mean, they play a little Friday night action, you know, a little bit 11 a.m. kickoff, how about a 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus? I mean, the Jayhawks are kind of by default. And look, they're having a great year kind of anywhere anytime so like what what would be your appetite for later later kind of window type stuff 
Yeah, they they did a nine o'clock game against Coastal Carolina a couple years back, and that felt so late into the night. Just being here for it, you get out of the stadium. It's one in the morning, something like that. You're right. I mean, it's it's mostly the joke here is that KU is just going to play all the 11 a.m. games. So maybe if there's the extra time slot there, we're going to get the uh, kind of mix of KU's either the team that leads you off in the morning or the team that finishes off your night. And then back to you, Jake, on this, uh, you know, it's I think the one thing this probably solidifies is that BYU will be playing. And we thought this before. But BYU's home games are probably going to be in that time slot, right? Like you just think that if the Big Twelve, because Brett Yormark has mentioned, look, we we want to add teams in the fourth time zone, and to me, that does not necessarily mean. I think when he says fourth time zone, he really is talking about the fourth television window. People will yeah. debate this, but the whole point of adding—I mean, why else would you add a team in time zone? The whole point is to fill that window, right? Like, who cares the actual time is? It's more about the time you can play the football game. I think it's safe to say as long as the Big 12 is in the position they are and there's no current extra teams being added, BYU can probably anticipate their games being played later on in the day. Yeah, I think most of us knew who Barry Trammell is, of course, writes about the Big 12 for the Oklahoma, and he did a big uh, – big- multiple features on BYU. He actually came out here. We had him in the radio station. He he talked with Tom Homo, BYU's athletic director, and he asked him the question, what do you anticipate playing your home games? Like, when do you play, anticipate? He's like, Tom said, we anticipate playing that late night window. We, we, we are used to it. We've done it for the majority of our time as an independent. Uh, I'd venture to say upwards of at least 60% of BYU's home games during the last 12 years as an independent have been eight o'clock or later starts at home. So, BYU fans, they're used to it, and uh, they they understand at this point it's not going anywhere because if as you join this conference, as you mentioned, Josh, they want to open up that fourth time window, and that's where BYU slots in here nicely as they can play. It's an 8 o'clock or 8.15 start here locally. BYU fans, like I said, they're, they're used to that. Yes, it causes teams from the East Coast, UCF, Cincinnati, West Virginia coming all the way over. It's 10-15 on their body clocks. But to get that late-night window and still some of that thunder away from the Mountain West, and more particularly the Pac-12, that's where it's most important. Yeah, and I think I think the one key here, and Brett Yormark knows this, add, add more teams, right? Correct. But I have to say, like, I mean, I they don't put USC in, in the 10 o'clock window. They don't put usually Oregon – or Washington. I mean, maybe occasionally, but they really don't do it all that often. It feels like. So I think if the big 12 was willing to put like Oklahoma state, BYU, Texas tech, BYU, you know, Baylor, BYU, like in late games, I mean, they're going to have a leg up in that window. Chris, do you think you kind of agree with me? If they're, mil- you know, if they're look, we're willing to play Oklahoma state at 11 AM or at 10 PM Eastern time. It mattered to us. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned it's about the TV windows. It's really, yeah, ultimately it's about the money, as we as we know. It's <laughs> that's what that's what this is all about. Is like uh, cash and football and uh, filling those filling those time slots because that's what's going to give you the most money. Uh, but I, I also want to I want to know about those was it those Cougar tails at the, the BYU? Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's do this. I've, yeah. I've seen I've seen a lot of uh, of activity about that. That's fascinating to me. I'm all about hey. it. So what it is is a cougar tail. It's a two foot long maple bar, maple donut, and okay. they, they've been around BYU for the better part of at least two decades now. They're kind of the one thing I tell people when they come into town. Like Drake Toll from Locked On Baylor, he was here in town for that Baylor game, and we met up and we're talking. I'm like, dude, you got to try this thing. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, you got to try it. And 
if you're if you're a big fan of maple bars, it's the ultimate because it, it's two feet long. It and it's just it, it's in all of its glory. You probably saw on the broadcast. You had Mark Jones and RG three were chowing down on them. So yeah, it's it's one of the unique things about Provo is that they've put together that that maple bar and it's kind of come, become like the, the hallmark a lot of times when it comes to an opposing fan base coming to Provo for the first time. It sounds like heartburn, man. Like, that's a, like, <laughs> I mean, like I, I'm not hey. sure if I'm not sure I could do that during a football oh, game. Here, here's, here's the thing, guys. I love maple bars. I can barely finish half of one. It is yeah. just, it, it's too much for my blood. But I know multiple people that it's their thing. They go to a BYU game, they get them, they get one of those cougar tails and they chow down on it throughout the entirety of the game. But it's it's just too much for me personally. I, I it's crazy. I had no clue about that <laughs> before I actually saw the game. Um, all right. So next thing I want to talk about, because this is gonna be Big 12, I think it will affect the Big 12 ultimately is the news that uh, Scott Frost is out at Nebraska. And it's really funny. There's a whole lot of connecting part of this, but obviously Nebraska is going to play OU this week, which is kind of one one thing. Uh, Derek, I'll go to you first on this. So if if you are Nebraska, I think naturally what you should be doing is targeting somebody who can build a program. And I think the one thing I've heard from Nebraska fans is like, no – they want something bigger or better than a big 12 coach, which is kind of the sentiment I've been, I've been hearing a lot. Um, I think they really should go the route of hiring somebody who's like a program builder. And then once they actually start winning seven or eight games, we can talk about the coaches ceiling, whether or not they can do nine or 10, but like they kind of need to get to six or seven before they, they make the jump. And um I think Lance Leipold would be like a really good fit. Cause I think he is, I mean, this guy wins wherever he goes. I know it's a small sample size of Kansas, but he's really good at tailoring game plans, whatever it is to the personnel on the roster. We're seeing that right now. I know he was asked about it today. Concern level for you with Lance Leipold and the Nebraska business that could be getting done. Oh, this is, this is all the talk in Lawrence right now. Um, he pay, basically every article you see that pops up candidates for the job, he pops up in there. It might not be the favorite. I think bet online listed him as 10 to one odds. He's like sixth or seventh on the odds sheet there. The question becomes like with what you're saying about maybe some of the Nebraska fans, maybe you want a, a splashier hire somebody up there. Who's going to take the job and who's not right. Like Matt Campbell's the favorite. What happens if Matt Campbell is like, no, nah, you know what? I, I feel comfortable at Iowa State. Or if Mark Stoops or, or whoever, and you work down the list, and let's say Lance Leipold, because I, I don't think he is going to be their number one candidate, but I certainly think he's going to be on that short list. If it gets down to a point where he gets offered the job, I have a hard time believing he wouldn't take it. I mean, you never really know the motivation of people. And when he took the Kansas job, he did mention that at Buffalo, he felt comfortable leaving because – he felt like he left it in good shape. He felt like it was a players-led program and that he left a good culture there. And it would be hard to have that same reasoning after leaving Kansas in just year two here. But you're talking about a guy who spent over a decade as an assistant in the Nebraska area, whether it was at Nebraska, whether it was at Nebraska-Omaha. His wife is from Omaha in the area. It, a lot of it would make sense. And to what you're saying about the program builder part, yeah, like if – if I was a Nebraska fan, I'd be sitting there going, hey, listen, I know the record's not going to look super pretty. Like Lance Leipold is only four and 10 at Kansas. But if you viewed it as like if you would have just stayed at Buffalo these last few years and they kept putting together these really good seasons in the Mac like he was finishing up as it wouldn't have seemed as difficult of a hire coming over with all that success. And also it'd be a little bit of a like there is a precedent for it. Remember when Gene Chizik 
left from Iowa State to go to Auburn. And his record was not really too immaculate at Iowa State, but he ended up going over to Auburn and getting that higher job, which I guess that could be kind of similar there. But yeah, here locally, it, it's definitely causing a little bit of a freak out because it's like, oh, we finally have something here. And then poof, could be gone. Quick word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by the folks at BetOnline and BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf, in addition to college football and pro football. Head to the website today, use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Chris, go ahead, yeah. Well, and I hate to, if you're a Nebraska fan, cover your ears, because you could make the absolute argument that Lance Leipold and Matt Campbell have better jobs now. And what I mean by that is expectations are unrealistic at Nebraska. This isn't the, this isn't the eighties or nineties. There's no recruiting base. There's no, they, they, they fired Bo Pelini for winning eight or nine games a year. They should just rehire Bo Pelini. He was doing pretty good. They'd kill for that right now. Right. I mean, so I, I Matt Campbell's got a better job right now, period. Lance Leipold, you could make the argument. Now you're right. I, I think that the, the point about, you don't know what motivations are. Maybe he wants to go home. Maybe he wants to, you know, you're not real sure. And I don't know what kind of money Nebraska's talking about uh, throwing around because they just. That's the difference, though. I think to me, yeah. that's the big difference because we're talking about a program that's got incredible backing and also one that we know is about to get $100 million checks yearly on. And that's the problem because, you know, I thought Bud Elliott brought a good point up today on the Cover Three podcast. Like your assistant pool, too. If you got really good assistant now, Matt Campbell actually hasn't had to worry about this. John Acock has stayed forever with him, but you know your assistants probably don't get poached until it's a huge job, and that's why it's like, yes, Matt Campbell has got the keys to the kingdom, and expectations would grow sizably at Nebraska, but it's really a similar spot with more money and better resources to me. That's why I take because that Big Ten money, man. It's just going to hit different. It's going to hit the, that direct deposit is just going to hit a little bit different <laughs> than the Big Twelve money is. Because I mean, let's, let's talk about it in terms of an actual Big Twelve situation right now, right? Like Neil Brown at West Virginia, we we're t- discussing a lot. They can't pull the trigger on that. It feels like because that buyout is so big. And actually, one other thing I want to ask you about, Chris, like everybody loved Matt Wells. Um, everybody, everybody loves Matt. Nobody has a bad thing to say about Matt Wells. It's unbelievable. Everybody universally loved. I thought they pulled the trigger at the right time then. I think it's pretty clear they did pull it at the right time now. I think it's pretty cool, you know, clear they did it. This this could have an effect on the Big 12 season like this year if they go hunting in October and find their guy in the Big 12 in October. But, I, Chris, I want to ask you about that, you know, pulling the trigger early and earlier. Like, it seems like schools are just going to start doing that now. One thing I, I exchanged text messages with Matt Wells earlier today, as a matter of fact. He is he is good people, yes. Um the, the reason that Tech did it, and I think other schools are going to start doing this, this is going to be kind of a way of life now. Early signing period has changed the entire dynamic because when you can sign that recruiting class in early December, you want to get out in front of what you're trying to get done. And I think with the portal and all that, you got to re-recruit your whole team and, and all those things. But 
this is going to be the way teams operate and programs operate is they're going to like just make decisions much earlier. And so, cause I mean, I, I was sitting here on campus last year and it, at some point there was three different head coaches. There was actually a practice, a bowl practice where Sonny Cumbie was the interim coach. Matt Wells had come back and Joey McGuire was on the job as the head coach and hadn't taken control of the team. And he was at the practice. I'm like, somebody needs to take a picture because this is like a unicorn. You, you'll never see this again, ever. Uh, but that that's a big reason why, in my opinion, is why some of these decisions are getting moved up. I do think it's really surprising in some ways that Nebraska wouldn't wait a few weeks to save themselves seven and a half million. But as you said, that money's about to be rolling in. They were like, we don't let's just pay seven and a half million and avoid three weeks of awkwardness before we pull the trigger here. It feels like they're gonna make the wrong call. Jake, doesn't it? It feels like they're going to go for the splash, the big. I actually had somebody the other day who said this, and he said, Matt Rule, Urban Meyer. And I, I thought, <laughs> Matt Rule, Matt Rule's not leaving until he, he, until like, you don't leave the NFL until they tell you, yeah. like, get your ass out of here, right? I'm not giving up the Panthers job until you, until you tell me I have to give up the Panthers job. Urban Meyer, I mean, does Nebraska want that? Seriously? Uh, like, they're, but I feel like they, their expectations, they're going to go hunting. Yeah. And it feels like with the it, look, sometimes doing the like doing the you know the the less sexy thing is a better thing. All right, and and I think there are three good candidates in the there are more than three good candidates in the Big Twelve. But Matt Campbell, Lance Leipold, Chris Kleiman, all Midwest guys, all program builders, all winners in other places. Like it's just it's just it makes a lot of sense. Can I? But they'll probably go for Matt Rule or something like that. Can I throw one more name into the mix? Here? Yeah, go ahead. BYU connection. Bronco Mendenhall. Yes. All he did is he brought BYU back from maybe the worst three-year period they'd had in 50 years. Went to Virginia, built them into an Orange Bowl team, got them to the Orange Bowl contender in the ACC. I, Bronco is kind of the anti-Urban Meyer. He's that. He's the he's the not sexy hire. I can tell you that much. Bronco. Yeah, no, but what he what he's proven is he can build programs. Similar to what you're talking about here. I, I don't necessarily know if Bronco is planning on getting back in this upcoming cycle in college football, but he's doing that podcast, Head Coach U HCU uh, podcast out there, uh, and he said that I'm I'm only, really only taking a break from time here, and I'm planning on getting back into the college game at some point. So you could do a lot worse if you're Nebraska than giving Bronco a call and saying, "Hey, I know you're based up there in Montana. You want to make the quick trip over here to Nebraska and see what we can do for a little bit." Yeah, and, and from what I can tell, you know, I'm I'm not super close to the UVA program at all. But obviously, as somebody who lives in Virginia and knows a lot of UVA fans, it sounds like the issue uh, was the one that almost cost them Tony Elliott the funding for some facilities and whatnot. So yeah, uh, that that was kind of an issue there. Yeah, he's available around. All right, guys, you all had big wins this weekend, and you all have games this weekend where you every single one of you all is an underdog. Uh, so I will go to uh, Derek. I want to go to you first on this. Um, after the one thing I said after beating tech, Tennessee Tech, whatever it was, 55, 10, 55-10, whatever it is, um, I was like, there's no way that team goes to West Virginia next week and thinks like and doesn't think they're winning, right? You don't beat a team by 45. And that team goes down 14 in the first quarter and are gangbusters in the second quarter. I mean, we're hearing it so much, but like, where does that belief come? Is it just the structure? Because this feels so much more structured than a, than a West Miles situation it just feels like there's so much more organization but like where does it come from because these guys feel like they can get in a hole and climb out on the road in the big 12 that is not the kansas we know at all no it's it's three things for me the first is the culture change uh you mentioned it 
in years past too, a lot of the new coaches would come in and they might play a bunch of these young freshmen and true freshmen and sophomores that maybe aren't ready, but they're going to try to get them ready by the time the hit, they hit the uh, kind of end of their coaching career. That didn't happen as much last year. Like there were still a few examples, but it seemed like they were consistently creating this culture of, Hey, we're not going to try to build a winning culture by progressing these players. We're going to try to build a winning culture by winning. And that was something that they stressed like, no more moral victories. It's no longer about that. And I think that from last season, you have the Texas win at the end of last year. You have a couple other close games at the end of last year, building into the offseason. That was the first part of it. Uh, the second part of it is I think they just have better depth this year. Like, uh, honestly, I, I was talking about this unlocked on Jayhawks uh, a week or two ago. The second string defense of this team is probably better than the first string defense of last year's team was. And you look across the board, like there's just more depth. So you're going to be better at, you know, as the game wears on, how are you able to overcome with, you know, stamina, injuries, whatever it is. And the third thing is just Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels in the final three games, really three and a half, because he came in that Kansas State game when Jason Bean got injured last season. Over those final three and a half games, if his total QBR would have qualified, it didn't because he didn't play enough snaps, but if it would have qualified, he would have been the second highest rated quarterback in the Big 12 last season. But it was such a small sample that you were like, okay, well, let's see what this really is this season. And he's come in this season. He is third in the country right now in total QBR on ESPN. Uh, you don't really expect that to hold that high, but if this dude continues to be even a top half quarterback in the Big 12, like that's going to win you some games. That's going to, on its own, allow you to stay competitive and, and come from behind in spots where you get down. And the Jayhawks this week will play the team that Texas Tech played last week. And Chris, Donovan Smith, the stones on that young man. I mean, to add to, to just suck the way he did in that second half. And that fourth and 20, just calm, composed. And he's the guy who finds the end zone at the end of the game. There's a, like you saw it all in one kind of kind of one version. They're like, there's a reason why they chose Tyler Shuck. There's also a reason why people like me love Donovan Smith. And you kind of got the whole thing right there, didn't you? Yeah, this is a this is a backup quarterback basically that threw three interceptions in the second half and then won Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Week. I mean makes no sense like right. all of it really uh you know he was the liberty bowl mvp you know when, when he when they hammered at mississippi state in memphis last year he's got a ton of upside and he's still fairly new and kind of figuring it out but i think that the best thing about Donovan was is that he was just even keel you know he never because it, you know it, the second half was not good the first half was pretty good overtime was really good uh, because he used his legs a little bit, and then uh, then he he had the walk off. And I mean, I, there, there's so many storylines in that game that I'm that we'll forget about years from now here in Lubbock. But it, all all anybody's going to remember is that you won and you figured out a way to win. Because way too many times in the last ten years, Tech has figured out ways to lose games just like that. But I think Joey McGuire has them kind of believing that they can do this and that they, they, but they pulled it off and that's really all that matters. Winning's better than losing boys. Yeah. It's, it's so true. And I mean, also <laughs> like to have a guy, they also know he can win. Like he, he did it last year. He had played some last year, but the, the, the abs, just like the amount of energy, obviously with, with Joey McGuire, I mean, they still had to pull out the result. Right. And I thought the defense was really good at, at certain times. I thought the defense played really, really well. 
I didn't even know what kicker that they were going to send out. That's the other thing, because <laughs> you you have you have a kicking competition, right? And each kicker, like Trey Wolf, had made a twenty-five yarder early in the game, but then each kicker had come out and missed about a forty-five yarder. Well, this is what they were asking whoever it was to make it to send it to overtime, and they line up, and sure enough, Dana Holgerson calls timeout and they ice him. Well, Trey Wolf is the one who they sent out. He goes ahead and swings through it, misses it, but it doesn't count because we called timeout. And I'm thinking, I've just I've seen it all. But it, anyway, just buried a 47 yarder to send it to overtime, and I wasn't even sure he was going to be the one the attempting kick that kick. Exactly. So that's just, and we'll forget about that years from now because everybody will remember Donovan and the walk off. Uh, and a huge game with them against NC State, and NC State, you know, obviously a team that seemed vulnerable uh, two weeks ago against ECU. So that kind of makes that one really interesting. And then Jake, too. I mean. Look, this this BYU team, uh, you know, the, the schedule that has been laid ahead of them. Texas Tech's had a really hard schedule. BYU has the mother of all schedules. I mean, what is it? It's going to be uh, Houston – or excuse me, not Houston. Uh, it's going to be um, Baylor last week. Mm-hmm. They got Oregon. And I believe – is Arkansas coming up here pretty soon too? Or yeah. is that yeah. so there's a back, there's the back-to-back of Baylor, Oregon. So that's the, these two weeks. And then uh, in mid-October, you go Notre Dame in Las Vegas. The very next week, Arkansas comes to Provo. I mean, but but they're one for – and what a performance. And the one thing I was worried about for them, they, they needed to win this game. Losing twice to Baylor, best team that buried you pretty good at home when, when it went to, um, to, to Baylor last year. Yeah. Uh, you kind of ask yourself questions about like, okay, what do we have to do to compete with a team like that? Without Puka Nakua, without Gunnar Romney, they went out there and they did the job. And I forget the kid's name. I think he's a freshman, right? The freshman wide receiver. Chase, Chase Roberts, local. I mean, what a game for him. They have the, the trick play that works too. Um, the, the energy was behind them and Kalani Staki goes out and gets a massive win in a game that I thought they really did need to win from a program standpoint. And now kind of the conversation about them shifts a little bit this year. Well, yeah, and that's the thing about it is BYU's become a, a much more consistent team when it comes to facing off against ranked opponents. All time, they have around a 33% win percentage when in a game against a ranked opponent. But since 2018, so essentially since Jeff Grimes came in, revamped this offense for BYU, their record against ranked teams is now, they're now eight and four. Uh, in ranked against ranked opponents in the last four or five years, so it's been a really, really impressive turnaround in that respect for BYU. And uh, there's no rest for the weary. That was a very physical game for BYU against Baylor. Now you got to make the trip up to Austin to take on Oregon. But BYU went five and zero against the Pac-12, and I can tell you this much: they have no intention on not making it six and zero. Yeah, I mean Oregon. I'm not sure how the hell we're ranking. Like, how is Oregon ranked? Like, what, like the AP. It just, I mean, they the uniforms. They beat, Josh, wait. it's the uniforms. It's, it is. They beat Southern Utah. Was that was that where they played last week? Eastern Washington. Uh, one of the directional Western schools is what they played. Sorry, no offense to them out there. Uh, all right, guys, give me 30 seconds on the matchup that you have this week. Uh, Jake, I'll just I'll just go to you and I'll go back around. Your thoughts on Oregon and and I mean, you know, getting what three points? I think three and a half. Yeah, uh, Oregon somewhere yeah, between. Uh, I think our friends at Bet Online originally had them as a four-point favorite. Uh, I think it's dropped to around three and a half. I think you're right on that. But biggest thing for BYU in this game is who exactly is Oregon? They got absolutely crushed by Georgia, forty-nine to three in the opener. Then they come and play their FCS game and blow the doors off Eastern Washington with seventy points. I, I'm not 100 percent certain who Oregon is. Bo Nix, we all know that his reputation when he was in the SEC with Auburn was he was up and down seemingly every other series. It felt like during his 
time as a Tiger. I'm just not 100% certain what exactly BYU is getting when they face off against Oregon, but BYU, I think, has got a pretty good shot here. They've been preparing all week, and the funny thing about this is there's rain in the forecast up there in Oregon. Surprise, surprise. And we have got massive rainstorms coming through the state of Utah, so I was actually out at practice earlier today, got absolutely drenched. So if there's a perfect <laughs> way for the rain to be coming down on the practice field, it's this week in Provo. There you go. Wow, that's that's nice preparation. Don't, don't have to cart it. Don't have to dump water on me while you're playing. Oh. Uh, awesome. Uh, all right, Derek. For you all, I mean, going on the road against a Houston team that you know really kind of needs to win this game. Uh, pretty bad if they lost this one, but uh, I'm sure Kansas has no plans of uh, going lightly here. I mean, this is you know I, this this might be my favorite Big Twelve game of the weekend. I, I know. Texas Tech, I know it's really exciting to play a top 15 team, but like I'm just fascinated by Kansas more than any other team right now. And I'm so, so excited to see how they look this weekend. Well, Kansas right now over 50 points per game. The strength of that Houston team is the defense. I, I can't remember the name of the kid who had four and a half sacks or, or whatever it was against Chris's uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders up there. But that'll be the challenge in its own right. And then you have the storyline of Houston's quarterback, Clayton Toon. He was committed to Kansas for a long time there ended up decommitting, ended up coming to Houston, and now you have the, the quarterback battle with what Jalen Daniels has done versus Clayton Toon, and, and that should be a really fun one. And uh, you also have the the factor of, you know, is it going to be a letdown situation for Kansas after the West Virginia win, or does that kind of kindle a fire that leads to some momentum here? And Chris, Joey Juice and the boys are heading to Raleigh to take on Dave Doran's are you sure they're good NC state Wolfpack after their first performance uh, thoughts on that matchup? Yeah. It, you know, and, and Joey and Dave have known each other since I think 2003. So, cause you won't find anybody that acts uh, their opposite ends of the spectrum. Dave's pretty chill, kind of yeah. boring, <laughs> you know, his football teams don't make mistakes. They're, they're just solid. Joey's energetic and and all these things, but yeah, Devin Leary is really going to decide this game, in my opinion, one way or the other. Uh, the NC State quarterback, he was the ACC preseason Player of the Year. Um, he's just you know, and he's kind of an NFL first, second, third, I mean, whatever type guy. I'm not real sure what we're looking at, but he doesn't beat himself, and I think that's what's tricky for Texas Tech playing under the lights you know, on national TV is, is can you force him in any mistakes? And can your guy not throw three picks in the second half in Donovan Smith? Because if you turn it over and you're missing field goals and things like that, it's not going to go well for you, but double digit underdog, but you got that Houston win in your back pocket. Now you're guaranteed to go into conference play with a winning record. And now you're kind of playing with house money uh, because there was a chance you could have easily, you know, had Texas coming in next weekend and being at one and two, if you don't get that figured out in overtime last week when it was fourth and 20. And trust me, I was one that wasn't sure they were going to pull it out, but get, they did. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's fun. I was in Raleigh with the tech basketball team a few years ago for the NCAA tournament. It's a great place. Can't wait to see what it looks like. All right, then I'll go back around once again. Where can everybody find you all and find all of your work? Chris, you can go first. Yeah, Locked On Texas Tech. You can follow my co-host, Casey Cowan, at Locked On Tech on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Chris Level. We just got started with you guys a couple, three weeks ago, give or take. It's been uh, it's been awesome. We've enjoyed it. We're having fun. Uh, guns up down here in Lubbock. Uh, Derek? You can find me Locked On Jayhawks. I'm at D Johnson Radio on Twitter and you can also hear me in Lawrence on Rock Truck Sports Talk uh, daily radio show here covering the Jayhawks. Jake. 
Well, first off, let me say welcome to both of you. I'm, I'm one of the old heads around the college network. <laughs> good to have you guys on. Uh, you can search out Locked On Cougars wherever you get your podcasts. It's also on YouTube. Uh, if you want my thoughts on all things sports, Jacob C. Hatch is my handle. Love interacting with all of our listeners out there. And like similar, uh, I'm on the KSL Sports Zone out here in Salt Lake City every single day. You guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You, can, you guys can find this show at LO Big 12. Find us wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. All right, gentlemen, it was a pleasure. I'm sure we'll be talking to you guys again very soon.